So great to see all of you here this morning. Um, you know, uh, if you're here for the first time, we welcome you in Jesus' name. If you come after some time, we still welcome you in Jesus' name. So wherever you're sitting, don't get up from your chairs. Uh, just look around and can you just say quick hello to each other? That's great. Um, you know, the scripture was uh, read uh, earlier about the ten virgins, five came with the lamp, uh, filled with the oil, they bought extra oil, but the others didn't, and then the door was closed. And basically, really, today I want to touch on missions, share about missions. You know, we are doing a series of studies, um, and this is based on the new members booklet that we got. And, you know, it speaks about the commitment, commitment to the church, commitment to the fellowship, commitment to Christ Jesus, then also commitment to missions, you know, commitment to missions. And let me tell you this, that we are living in a period of grace, but this grace is not going to last long. There's a time coming when Jesus Christ will come for judgment. Amen? So the time we got, you know, the grace that we have, I think God has saved us, but we would also like others to be saved. Do you know that in UK, over 2,000 churches closed in the last 10 years? That's a sad thing. You know, and my prayer is this, Lord, you raise up more and more churches. And as I say always this, we should have churches in cycling distance. Then we should have churches in walking distance. Then we should have churches in shouting distance. Amen. And the word of God says in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And basically we take the scripture and we know that the Jerusalem for us is this place, Stanmore, Winchester, and I believe Judea and Samaria is the nation and then the nations of the earth. And the word of God says that we shall be witnesses to him. You know, God has called us to be witnesses. You know, there are giftings of evangelists, prophets and different gifting. But I believe that each and every one of us are called to be witnesses. You know, Oswald J. Smith, he says, the missions of the church is missions. And then again, he says, we talk of the second coming, half the world has never heard of it. Half the world has never heard of it. And even when I think of, let's say this area, Stanmore or Winchester, I wonder how many of the people here have heard of Jesus Christ or why he came on this earth. 
You know, as I said before, for me, when I came from a Hindu background, I used to see the pictures of Jesus hanging on the cross, but I never bothered to think why he died on that cross. And I believe there must be many here in this place, you know, who might heard, heard something about Jesus, but they don't know why Jesus came. And God has placed us here in this place for a purpose and to be a witness for him, to be a witness for him. And not only this place, but the nation and nations of the world. You know, I don't know why, but Lord was, you know, putting in my heart to share this testimony about this man called the heavenly man. How many of you heard of him, Brother Yul? You know, the heavenly man. He's a missionary from China. He was in China serving God there. And he had this passion to preach the gospel to everyone. He had this passion to plant churches. You know, he had this passion to raise up men and women of God to go and be his witnesses. And it was not easy for him. If you get this hold of this book, you should buy this you know, and read this book. It's very, very powerful testimony of how God saved him, how God brought him up. You know, and there were a few times that he was arrested in China because, as you know, in China, you can't openly preach the gospel. Few times he was arrested, few times he was beaten up. And every time the police used to catch him and beat him up and ask him, what is your name? He used to say, heavenly man. And that's how that book's name is, heavenly man. What is your father's name? Jesus Christ. <laughs> what does he do? He came to die for the sins of, my, uh, of this world. And you know, he used to share gospel even in that situation. And once he was arrested, they beat him up so much that they broke his leg. And people had to carry him on their backs if, they, if he needs to go to the bathroom. And he was in such a pain. And he was in a very high security prison. And he was, you know, that particular day he was in great pain. And he was putting his, he had put his feet up so that he could you know, feel less pain. But anyway, this next picture, you can see her, um, you know, with this guys. Uh, this was in Folkestone many years back. And I had this opportunity to have a meeting with them and talk to them. I'll come to that in a minute. But the guy you see on this top picture, he was also in the same prison you know, he was put there because he was preaching the gospel. So anyway, God spoke to this man and said, today I'm going to release you from the prison. And he found his prison cell door was open. And he went and opened Yoon's door. And he said to him that today God is going to release you from this prison. That's what God told him. And came back and went back to his cell. And the miracle happened was this. God spoke to Yun, Brother Yun, and said, Rise up, get up, walk out of this prison. 
And this guy, as I said, his legs were broken. You know, he was in pain. In that pressure, tension, he didn't even realize that he had this issue. He just stood up. And as he stood up, all his pain had gone. He was healed. And he walked out of the first cell door, then the second one, and third one. And to his surprise, no one was there. And no guards were there to guard and he just walked out of the prison and there was a taxi waiting for him. And then to cut the story short, he escaped that country, you know, uh, China, miraculously. And today his vision is to raise up 100,000 missionaries. 100,000 missionaries all over the world. Especially he has this project called um, you know, back to Jerusalem. And he's raising up missionaries and God is using him powerfully. And as you can see in this meeting when I had with him, so we were kind of, I, was, I had started a Bible college in India at that time. So we were working out how he can bring the missionaries from China to India and we can do this training and stuff. And I asked Brother Yuan, do you have Bible school? He said, yeah, we do have Bible school in China. So I asked him, what do you teach in the Bible school? And he said, we teach them to memorize from Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible. Second, we teach them how to jump from second floor when the police comes. And third, we teach them how to open handcuffs in few minutes. This is in the Bible school. <laughs> so I said, that's a very strange Bible school. So anyway, and this man has this passion and this is what they have this back to Jerusalem, which is part of a vision called 1040 window. 1040 window is those countries you can see marked up over there. It is said that two thirds of the world live in this area. 95% never heard of Jesus. Can you imagine? 95% of people in this region have never heard of Jesus. 87% are the poorest of the poor. And Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists are there. And do you know that the persecutions of Christians are very high in this place? And I know it, I have experienced it, I have been part of it, and it is true. And so we have this countries over there, apart from the other countries around in the world, which has not heard about Jesus. The question is, who will tell them? Who will tell them? Who will go there? And praise God, we have one brother, Jack. He's going soon to Kenya as a missionary to tell about Jesus to the people who have not heard about Jesus. And I believe that our church here in Winchester, we might think, oh, we are just a church in Stanmore Lane. What can we do? I'm telling you, you can do great things. We can do great things. God has placed us here in this place for such a time as this. 
not only to just reach out to the people around us, but I believe to bring an impact to the nation and the nations of the world. And God is going to do that. And I believe till now, we were in the mend mode, you know, trying to build the church again, all the areas of ministry, Sunday school, youths and all the women's ministry, men's ministry, you know, we were all kind of starting up again and, you know, we were in the mend mode. But I believe now is the time that God is calling us to into move mode. Into move mode. Well, some of you might say, well, we like small church. If you're saying that, you know what you're saying? I don't want others to get saved. I don't want people to be added into this church. You know, and I can understand here yeah, the benefits of small church, but I believe that God has called us, you know, to be witnesses. And if that happens, then more and more people will come. And the best place if, if to have this, you know, is a small group, a life group. That's the place where you are cared for. But the Sunday when we come, all come together, it is a celebration. Amen? And talking about it, the scripture says in Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can you imagine how many people are 3,000? You know, 3,000 people were added to their number. Then it says in Acts 4.4, the number of men grew about 5,000. Now it says men grew. You know, it doesn't mention about women, but it says 5,000. Then it says more and more men and women believe in the Lord and were added to that number. And again, it says the word of God spread. The number of disciples increased rapidly. The churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. And my prayer is this, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Save people, Lord. Because that window of grace might be closed any time in the future. We never know. We never know. And that's why Jesus, he said to his disciples, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers food for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. Amen. And you all are called into the business of reaping the harvest. And Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look. You know, the problem is, you know, many believers, not you, many believers, we just are busy looking down, looking into our own situations, own problems, issues, and we got entangled in our own issues and problems that we fail to lift up our eyes and look at the harvest that is plentiful. As if we have put 
the mirror on the window. And when you put the mirror on the window, only three people you can see, I, me, and myself. You know, this scripture I had shared sometime back about the story of the Ark of God. Ark of the Lord speaks about the presence of God. And that was lost in the Philistine's camp. And when they decided to send it back, they, you know, put it on a cart and I'll not go into that story. But this is what the scripture says. First Samuel 6.13 Now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping the harvest in the valley and they lifted their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. And the interesting thing I find it here is this. The people of Beth Shemesh, where were they? Not in their homes. They were in the field reaping the harvest. They were in the field reaping the harvest. And as a result, they lifted their eyes and saw the ark of God. As I said, it speaks about the presence of God and they rejoiced to see it. And I have always seen over the years in the ministry, over 30 years of ministry in different parts of the world, when the church is busy evangelizing, when the church is busy making disciples, that church experiences revival. That church experiences signs, wonders, and miracles happening. They were in the field reaping the harvest and they lifted their eyes and saw the arm of God. Do you want to experience the power of God? Do you want God to use you for his glory? You know, let me tell you this. You just got this one life. You just got this one life. Now you need to decide what you will do with this one life that God has given you. Do you want to be used in his kingdom? You know, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You know, I have put this picture of the salt shaker. And many times I see the church is like salt shaker. And have you noticed that if the salt remains for too long in the salt shaker, it gets moisturized and the holes on top get blocked. And really you try hard, it doesn't come out. It's of no use. Church of God, we need to come out. We need to go out and be the salt that Jesus has asked us to be. You know, I would just like to share this story then after that I'll close my message. In Second Kings, you find the story about Samaria was sieged or surrounded by the enemy. And when it was surrounded by the enemies, uh, enemy, you know, the king did not know what to do. He was weak. He tried his best, but he couldn't do anything about that situation. People were going hungry. And when you read the story, it's horrible. They even went into cannibalism. 
eating human flesh. Terrible things were happening. And when the king heard that, he tore his robe and cried out to God. But no one was doing anything about that situation. They were inside. No one bothered to go out and see. And there were, I believe it was four lepers outside the city wall. They were going hungry and they decided, hey, if we stay here, we are going to die. Food is not going to come from this wall. So let's take the risk and go into the enemy camp and ask for some food. If they have mercy on us, they will give us some food. If they're not, anyway, we are going to die. So they took the risk and they went out in the enemy camp and God had already destroyed the enemy. They all had run away, leaving behind all the wealth and goodies behind. And you know, the scripture says, in 2 Kings 7, 9. And this left us, you know, they were so happy. They were collecting everything, food, eating. And it says, then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. And we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. You know, they said, this is a day of good news. Let's go and tell them. You know what? When the church loses its focus to be missionary, when the church doesn't go out and reach out to the lost, you know what happens? The people within the church keep fighting within themselves. As the situation in Samaria, nobody wanted to go out and see what was going on. God had already given them the victory, but they were busy inside the wall fighting within themselves, complaining, murmuring, frustration. This is what happens when the church doesn't go out and reach out. But the four lepers, they took the risk and said, this is the day of good news. Come, let us go and tell everyone. You know, people of God, I just want to encourage you this morning. Let us finish. I know most of you, you know, many of you maybe are going through some struggle, some issues in life. You know, this day and age, life is not easy. But let me tell you the secret. The secret is this. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. All the things that you need, God will add unto you. You know, you don't have to worry about your problems. God is worrying about it. He will take care of it as we read the scripture, as Pam brought the scripture. You know, this I had shared before about Abraham and Isaac when he was taking his son for the sacrifice. 
He said, Father Isaac asked, we have the wood and the flint to make the fire, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? He said, there is the wood and the fire, but where is the sacrifice? Wood speaks about all the things that we got, Bibles, gospel tracts and everything else. Fire speaks about the Holy Spirit. We got the Holy Spirit. The question is, where is the sacrifice? Where is the sacrifice? You know, the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. Now thanks be to God who always lead us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. You know, the scripture says, through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. Amen? What are you diffusing? Bitterness, hurt, unforgiveness. What you should be diffusing is the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the fragrance of him. You know, when you go among the believers, you encourage one another, you build one another. And when you go out in your workplace, in your business, people will look at your life and they will say, hey, there is something different, different about you. You're not like us. What is it? You're always peaceful. You're always joyful. You're always smiling. What is it? They ask the reason for the hope that we have. Amen? You know, this saying which I always quote, today we have 21st century transportation and communication. What we need is the first century dedication. First century dedication. You know, this story is about the Titanic. We all know, we, many of you must have seen the film and read the book, but very few people have written or said about this fateful journey. And few will include the story of Scottish evangelist called John Harper. Harper was a passenger on the Titanic. In 1912, Harper was traveling to Chicago to take up his appointment as pastor of Moody Church. He had his daughter, Nana, on board with him. His wife had died a few years early. When the Titanic struck the iceberg and began to sink, he put Nana, his daughter, into lifeboat and then ran throughout the ship, yelling women and children and unsaved into the lifeboats. When the ship finally went down, he had already given his life jacket to another passenger. Survivors report that to the very end, Harper was witnessing to anyone who would listen. One survivor recalls clinging to one of the ship's parts. When Harper floated near him, Harper asked us, man, are you saved? The man replied, no, I am not. 
So Harper said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. The waves carried a Harper away and then he came back again to this man. Harper then asked him again, are you saved now? And this man replied, no, I cannot honestly say that I am. Again, Harper pleaded with him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Shortly afterward, Harper went down. The man who survived was one of only six people from that who was rescued. But in a public meeting four years later, recounting his, this episode, he said, there alone in the night and with two miles of water under me, I believe I am John Harper's last convert. John Harper, to the last minute, till his last breath, he preached the gospel. He wanted everyone to be saved. What a wonderful story. What a story that we can be encouraged of. You know, people of God, I just want to encourage you this. Let us be like John Harper, be missionary, reaching out to your family members, to your workplace. And I just want to encourage you this, you know, that we have Alphocus coming. If you can invite your friend for that Alphocus, that will be great. Just tell them, come, we have this Alphocus. You know, let us reach out to the people. And I'm telling you, God is going to do wonders in our midst when we do that. Amen. And as the music is played, I just want to ask this, if there is anyone among you who is not saved this morning, today is the chance, the opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to know you. Come into my life. You know, it's wonderful to know Jesus. And as I always say this, it's not about religion. It's about relationship with God. Do you want to have that relationship with Him? If you're not sure, This afternoon is the time to give your life to Jesus. Say, yes, Lord, I want to. I'm not going to, let's all close our eyes at this moment. I'm not going to ask you to come in front. I'll just ask you to raise your hands wherever you are to accept Jesus as your Savior. Jesus said, if we acknowledge me before man, I'll acknowledge you before my father. Jesus always called So if you want to receive Jesus in your life as your Savior, just lift your hands up. Do not hesitate. He loves you. He loves you. 
He has a plan, He has a purpose for your life. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for all those who raised your hands up. Can you just put your hands down. And I'll just make this quick prayer to just to help you to call out your name. You can just whisper that prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that you died on the cross and you were raised on the third day. I believe that you died for my sins. Today, I give my life to you and Jesus. I pray that you fill me with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you for all those who raised your hands up and Jesus. I'm telling you, it's wonderful to know. It's wonderful to know. Let's watch it.